Hello everyone and welcome to Cody's Car Conundrum. I'm your host, Cody Wagner. Here we'll discuss everything related to the wide world of automobiles, including culture, news, games, interviews, and events. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hey, hey, hey everyone! Welcome to the show and I'm not going to sugarcoat the, the intro. I'm not going to talk about the weather. I'm not going to talk about any of that. Because we have... Some very exciting news, not, uh, you know, normal car news related, although we'll be obviously getting into that later, but uh, I turned 17 recently, and two things came from that. One, I got older, <laughs> and if you're going to ask, do I feel older? Not really. I only, I only feel old when I realize I'm 17, one year away from being a legal adult, so yeah, I do feel a little old now, but two... My mom allowed, let me say that slower, my mom allowed me and my sister, in fact she drove us down, to get our learner's permit. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's happening, it is happening, we did it Reddit, to reuse an old joke that I've said, actually offline a lot, you guys might not know, but I've said that joke a lot, but I'm, I'm not kidding you, this isn't a, a May Pro Fools or whatever, we got our learner's permits. You know, <laughs> you know that, that, that that's an exciting time, that this is a very exciting time, and it gets better. Not only, I mean, that's the best part, actually, it doesn't get better than that. It doesn't get better than that, but this is still good news. I also got a new camera. Recently, I got a Canon M50. That's right, I got a new mirrorless Canon camera. And let me tell you! That that camera takes some gorgeous photos. At the very least, it's a huge step up from my old Fuji. And it takes excellent video. It takes excellent video. Obviously, some of you will know because of Canon's uh, face tracking autofocus thing. That that's, you know, it's one of the best in the in the business, apparently. But I spent months of research on that camera. And I, have, I now have it in my hands. And I love it. I love it. So, you know, now more than ever, I'd watch, uh, I'd keep an eye out on YouTube and... And actually, probably Mopar Insiders now. I mean, I have a video going. I'm gonna, I'm working on a video for Mopar Insiders right now. I won't say what. But I did use the Canon for that. Not for everything of it. I did a time lapse and I used uh, a phone for that. But the, the actual part where I'm talking, I did use that. The photos I took, I used the Canon. It is excellent. And I'm going to tell you guys right now, I am using that camera for Meekum. I am 100% using that camera for Meekum because it's the best camera I have. So look for... So, Look forward to an increase of quality in on on YouTube in in the form of you know non webcam uh, videos and photos. So yeah, it's it's a very exciting time. I got my learner's permit and I got a better camera. Not that things are looking bad, but things are looking up. Things are getting better. I am I am really excited because there's actually one thing I'm majorly excited for. One thing I am very very excited for. Let me explain something. So. I was just about to say that there is a Viper Track Day on June 1st at High Plains Raceway in Byers. Well, okay. There's also, there's unfortunately, there's another car event, and it's a, it's, a, it's a Haggerty Classic Car Drive thing, and it's on the same day. Now that, I don't actually know if that's happening or not. You know, that's that's a bit of a conflict, but apparently there's they're going to be going to Bandemir on the 14th to the 15th. So if, I, if we do end up doing the Haggerty thing, then the Bandemir might be a might be a good backup plan i don't know yet but yeah so sorry i was just looking at some stuff but yeah so uh we'll see i that i did not know 
<laughs> I completely forgot. So, well, not only did I forget that that was on the first, uh, I didn't know that they'd be in conflict. But anyway, highlights, permit and camera. Woo! So now on to some proper news. There is a Porsche Cayman driver that is trolling BMW owners by putting a BMW badge, like their logo, and M318i badges. So it says Cayman in the normal spot. This is an old, like, first-gen Cayman. But under that, above where the license plate area is, there is a BMW badge, a BMW logo badge, and an, M th and an M318i badge. If you wanted to sell the prank even further, why didn't you, why wouldn't you just take the Cayman badge off? That's what I don't understand, because you can't have a BMW Cayman M318i, or a 318i, you know, you can't have, take the Cayman badge off. That, that's the way to sell that prank. All new Cadillac Escalade now tipped to debut next year. That's interesting. Is it, it says, I mean, I know it says all new, but is it really all new? Mazda says 76% of Miata buyers opt for stick shifts. All wheel drive, latest makers trick to prop up. Oh, okay, okay. What that, it's kind of a weird headline, but what they're saying is all wheel drive is what automakers are using to try and prop up sedan sales. Yeah, should have been doing that a long time ago. And now for some Mopar news. And this is courtesy of Mopar Insiders and Mike Volkman. Yes, Dodge will introduce a Charger SRT Hellcat Red Eye in 2020. And once again, this is not a joke. And in fact, this news is on their, is on their YouTube channel. Throughout the week, we have been seeing articles pop up around the internet talking about Dodge getting ready to drop the hammer on a Hellcat Red Eye version of their upcoming Charger widebody. As you may recall, MopartInsiders.com was the first to announce there would be two versions of the upcoming Charger Red widebody for the 2020 model year. While we have been sitting back reading, we can now confirm and shed some details about the third widebody Charger for the upcoming model year. Yes, that is right. Dodge will indeed be putting the 797 horsepower and 707 pound-feet of torque supercharged 6.2-liter Hemi V8 from the 2019 Dodge Challenger SRT Hellcat Red Eye in its four-door muscle car. The Dodge brand will announce the three cars later this summer, according to our sources. The Performance brand will be showcasing the new Charger wide-body models, very similar to what they did with the Challenger lineup in the 2019 model year. So what does this mean? Dodge will introduce an entirely new hood for the Hellcat and Hellcat Red Eye. No dual snorkel here. The Charger will get a larger center air intake, with the hood extractors moving back further up the hood towards the windshield. RT Scat Pack models will get the will get will now get the current SRT Hellcat hood as standard equipment for 2020. As we said before, the brand will also be featuring an option SRT performance spoiler like that on the Challenger offerings. We saw the spoiler on the Charger widebody concept shown at the SoCal Springfest event earlier this year. The dual five-spoke wheels shown on the Springfest concept will also make production in 2020 as well, as well for Hellcat and Hellcat Red Eye models. RT Scat Pack widebody models, we, we are to believe, will get the multi-spoke wheels that we showed you in an earlier post. Not only will the Charger get the update in power from the Red Eye engine, but thanks to the same cold air intake system featured on the 2018 Dodge Challenger SRT Demon, the Charger SRT Hellcat and Charger SRT Hellcat Y body will get an official new power rating of 717 horsepower as well. Inside, it's much of the same. The 2019 Dodge Charger SRT Hellcat and SRT Hellcat Red Eye received minor updates with features like line lock and improved launch control settings. The wide body kit will add an additional 3.5 inches to the body width, 
while 20-inch by 11-inch wheels equipped with Pirelli P0305 slash 355Z R20 tires and get larger six-piston Brembo brakes will be standard on every wet on every wide body model. So this is what they're saying the sources are, are telling us. For the 2020 Dodge Charger SRT Hellcat and Hellcat Red Eye wide body, introduction of the 797 horsepower and 707 pound-feet of torque SRT Hellcat Red Eye. SRT Hellcat Red Eye will have two final drive ratios, standard 262 or available 309. New, new hood design for the 2020 Charger SRT Hellcat models. Power increases 717 and 600 and 56 pound-feet of torque on SRT Hellcat models. Wheels from the Springfest concept will make it to production on Hellcat models. New SRT Performance Spoiler will be available, and the Hellcat Red Eye will feature the SRT Power Chiller, an after-run chiller from the Challenger SRT Demon. 2020 Dodge Charger RT Scat Pack Wide Body. Wide Body will feature 3.5 inches to the width of Charger models. Sorry, we'll add 3.5 inches to the width of Charger models. 305 by, 3, by 35 ZR20 Pirelli tires mounted to 20 inch by 11 inch forged aluminum wheels. Suspension upgrades. 2019 SRT Hellcat hood is now standard on RT Scat Pack. Larger six, six piston Brembo brakes will, will be there. SRT, SRT drive modes and SRT performance pages. And a new SRT performance spoiler will be available. Anyway, that is going to be it for now. I will see you all after the break. Did you know Cody does more than just tell the news? He's writing articles on cars as well. Be sure to check him out on Mopar Insiders at http colon forward slash forward slash www.moparinsiders.com and on Drive Tribe at http colon forward slash forward slash www.drivetribe.com Now back to Cody at Cody's Car Conundrum. Welcome back to the show. Nothing to see here. Just an autonomous Renault Zoe with a Lambo door. And, and it's even worse than that. It's not even a two-door Zoe or Zoe or whatever it is. It's a four-door Zoe except... The four doors have just been merged into this one long Lambo door. So to get into the back, you have to open basically the entire side of the vehicle. And, if, and I guess it's a cab. It's not so bad if you want to get in the back. It's not so bad if you want to get in the back. Okay, you don't have to open the door almost all the way vertical to get in the back. You know, just duck a little bit. But if you want to get in the front, all the way goes the door. <laughs> you have to open. You have to open that mess all the way all the way vertical before you can get in the back. From what I'm seeing in these photos, the darn thing doesn't even have a middle pillar. It has an A and a C pillar. No proper B pillar though, like in a normal car. So when you open the door, the whole side is literally, you could walk into the middle of the car and then choose to sit in the front or the back. There's no B pillar, which has got to be horrible for safety. How do, They're not going to get that to pass on the road or to pass safety regulations to be on the road unless it has a B pillar. But that's kind of the problem. Once you, as soon as you put a B pillar in there, how the mess are you going to get that to uh, pass road regulations? It's it's crazy. I I don't like it. I want I almost want to like it because it's crazy. But the the thing I hate is that they merged the two doors and made this huge heavy Lambo door. Remember what was that old Top Gear episode where they got their mothers to drive the? And so it was a really old Top Gear episode when James was still new. And they got their mothers to drive those compacts. It was the Honda Jazz, the Fit, as we know it here. Uh, and, a, and 
And if you know what I'm talking about, that Citroen with the heavy sliding doors. Like that, but a Lambo. Well, they say it's a Lambo door. But really, it's not a Lambo door because it opens. Is it a Lambo door? Because it's it's more like a Koenigsegg door. You know how the Koenigsegg door pulls out and then it slides forward and then tilts vertical? It's actually that. It's not the Lambo door where it becomes like those big wings or the bullhorns and they it opens kind of out, like at an angle, up and out. No, this one is just up. This one is straight vertical. It doesn't open out at all. And as far as I can see from the photos, there's not even, I know it's in a ton of his car, but there's not even a dash. There's no dash in this thing. Like mess, I'm going to get in a car with no steering wheel, especially an autonomous car. For, for pure safety reasons. Oh, hey, the autonomous car's about to crash. Let me steer it out of harm's way. Oh, wait, where's the steering wheel? Did Jesus take the wheel? Get it? I think that was a good one. That was a good one. But still, that, no. New VW Terek crossover coming to slot beneath the take one. It looks like an Atlas. I thought it was an Atlas. So, if this Terek, or Tarek, I don't know how you say it, is supposed to slot beneath the Tiguan, where does that put the Tiguan? Okay, if this is supposed to slot between the current Tiguan, you know, the new one, this must be what? This must be about the size of the old Tiguan? You know, the one that lasted for about a decade? That's, hmm. Apparently, they're saying it's a sad Atika, but just uh, put the VW face on it. I don't really see it. This is the one thing that I... I don't really mind the this whole SUV fet. I don't want one, and I don't like that they're replacing cars, but if they sell, and especially because I'm a Mopar guy, if it helps FCA make more money, I'm good with that. The thing that I hate, though, is that they're trying to cramp... They're trying to cramp in a bunch of CUVs into basically the same the same marketplace, or the same, the same space in the market. How are you going to differentiate it? And I guess the way, the only way to differentiate, di differentiate these cars, truly, is marketing. That's it. Because if they're, if they're really that similar, you know, exterior you know, exterior dimensions and interior dimensions, what's the difference? There isn't one, and that's a problem. But, but getting back to that Tiguan thing, if the new Tiguan's bigger than the old one, and this is, is supposed to slot beneath the Tiguan, is this just VW putting a new car where the old Tiguan was? And if so, why not just keep the Tiguan there? Why not Why not make a Tiguan and a Tiguan Plus? Why not just do that? That's what, you know, that's what doesn't make much sense to me. Why Why introduce a new nameplate and perhaps different style, radically different styling, essentially a mini Atlas, and I kid you not when I say that, for, you know, why, why do that? That just, it doesn't make much sense. It doesn't make much sense to me. Battery-powered MG ZS EV arrives in the UK, and reservations are now open. Rams called back due to falling tailgates. Pacificas might stall. Well, we are actually in the second part, so let's check this out. FCA is calling back certain Ram 1500, 2500, and 3500 models, as well as the Chrysler Pacifica, in two separate campaigns that cover a total of 686,315 vehicles in North America and others outside the NAFTA region. The pickup trucks included are from the 2015 to 2017 model year, as well as the 2018 versions made through March 31st, equipped with the 8-foot cargo beds. The new 1500 is excluded. The new Ram 1500 is excluded, and so are models equipped with manual tailgate locks. In these vehicles, the tailgate power locking mechanism can malfunction due to a small internal component, causing them to unlatch. The company is unaware of any accidents or injuries related to the issue. Owners who will be notified this month are being advised to properly secure the, be 
the bed loads as specified in the manual. An estimated 410,351 vehicles are included in this campaign in the United States alone, along with 63,753 in Canada, 4,020 in Mexico, in Mexico, and 6,985 outside NAFTA. You know what I like about this recall is that it's it's no it's notified not really notified but it's just shown us that somehow there are more Ram 1500s outside of of the NAFTA region, which is basically North America. There are more Ram trucks outside of North America than there are in Mexico. And I know that Mexico isn't necessarily big, but wouldn't the trucks be more expensive in, in assuming they're in Europe, especially the ones in this recall? There can't be that many in Europe. And they have to be exported as well. Wouldn't that be expensive? I think Ram trucks are actually, honest to God, sold in places like the Middle East, but are there really that many in the Middle East <laughs> compared to, say, Europe? That's all I want to know is why are there more Ram 1500s outside of the NAFTA region than there than there are in Mexico alone. Anyway, well, not outside of NAFTA, not outside of NAFTA, because NAFTA I think also includes Canada. But we'll just say outside of I guess North America. Either way, how are there 6,985 Ram 1500s outside of America and only 4,020 in Mexico? The second recall involves a total of 208,191 units of the 2017-2019 Chrysler Pacifica out of which 198,731 are found in the States, 8,294 in Canada, and the rest in Mexico. An internal investigation discovered a potential issue with the electrical contact. FCA said that a wiring harness may be contaminated with sealer. It could interrupt an electrical circuit, thus leading to possible stalling. If this happens, then the engine can immediately be restarted. Power steering will be lost temporarily, but the normal steering capability will remain. Owners will be contacted when service is available, according to the automaker. Meanwhile, they can reach out to FCA's customer care center at 1-800-853-1404. Once again, that's FCA's customer care center for the Chrysler Pacifica recall at 1-800-853-1404 with any questions they may have on the, tr on the topic. The phone number is also available for those owning one of the aforementioned Ram trucks. Okay. New Genesis G80 coming in September. We'll ditch the V8. That makes me very sad. 2020 GMC Sierra 1500 arrives with new tech and an updated, an updated AT4 Carbon Pro Edition. Why AT4? I think I said 18.4, but it should be AT. AT4. New Ford Ranger Raptor is the diesel truck worthy of the Raptor name. Sounds like it's a review. Elon Musk tells Tesla employees he's embarking on a cost-cutting effort. That sounds bad. That sounds really bad. Europe's 2020 BMW M550i gains 523 horsepower twin-turbo V8 from M850i, and the Z4 gets a manual. New Bentley book by Opus probably costs more than your house. Although I kind of doubt it, because the houses up in a place near me called Stapleton are pretty darn expensive. The most expensive Bentley book will set you back for more than 250000 No joke, that's not a typo, not 25 k which would still be a lot. But 250000 You know what I could buy with that money? A Viper. <laughs> a doggone Viper. Hey, what about that Viper Barrett Jackson that went for, what, 260000 Hey, hey, you know what? You know what? Actually, let's talk about that. That's a... <laughs> what was a good, good mythical morning? That wasn't an intentional good mythical morning reference, but there you go. Let's talk about that. Let, let's see. Someone who listens to my show... A Twitter user by the name of B, their ad is at super1 underscore 7, 
Okay, we've actually talked for a little while. Uh, we've messaged, and I did a. I actually answered someone's question on Cora, and it was a question about uh, how can I buy a new Dodge Viper, and me and one other person said you can't. They don't make Vipers anymore. But I actually went through the trouble of going through and finding all the values for each generation of Viper. I went that far. It wasn't a... Let me put this nicely. It wasn't a bright question. Two minutes of Google searching would have told them that they don't make the Viper anymore. But I decided to try and try and give them a bit more help and say, you know, because most Vipers have low miles, they classify as pre-owned, actually. And each generation goes for a certain kind of bracket. You know, good ones. And they they saw it because I tweeted it out at a Barrett Jackson option. There a Viper ACR, a white one, a 2017 went for. Let me see if I can actually find the proper. Is that the proper one? Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Yeah. Okay. This is it. It went for this Viper specifically. Went for two hundred and sixty thousand dollars. I've never seen a Gen Five go for that much. Never. Not well, except for maybe the first one, the first red one, the Striker red one, because I think that went for like three hundred thousand. But that was the first. You know, that was the first one after the Viper's absence. That. That one doesn't really count. That one doesn't really count. But it went for. What? What? How? What? Are Viper values going up? And, and this was my point in bringing this up. This was a weird, this was an anomaly, okay? I've never seen a Viper go for this much unless someone was asking a bit too much for it. So the fact that, he, that it went for 260000 at Barrett-Jackson was crazy. And it's another one, as, this, as one of my listeners says, as they tweeted at me, another one with, with 300 actual miles went for 220000 since when are Viper values going? At the very least, since when have Gen Five uh, Gen Five Viper values started to go up, and perhaps even more specifically, when have ACR values started going up? And to be fair, they never really went down. The ACRs haven't depreciated even in the few years that they've been gone. They hardly have at all. But this is st this is still weird. This is still very weird because this is more than I think many of us, many of us Viper guys, have seen a Viper go for yet. It's good for Viper owners because like, oh, hey, value's going up. I'm like, no, I want to get a Viper for less than 260 grand <laughs> in the near future, I hope. But it's strange. Since when have Viper values started going? It, it, as the automotive landscape changes, mysteriously, our Viper, our, let's, let's narrow this, let's narrow the pool down. Our Gen 5 Viper values about to go up. Because let's be real here. Early, like first run Vipers or Gen 1s, 92s, they go for a lot. They're collectors. But you know what's funny? 93s fall off a cliff. Not that, not that they're a bad, you know, not that they've, like you can get it for 12 grand or anything like that, but compared to 92s, nowhere near as expensive. Every Viper after that, except for maybe blue and white Gen 2 coupes, which also can go pretty expensive, especially 96s. Every, every other Viper after that, just doesn't compare except you know again 92 92 roadsters in red because you can only get it in red and 96 96 um gts coupe with the blue and dual white racing stripes they 
command a lot of money. I don't think they command 260000 or even 220000 except for, hey, maybe at an auction like this one was. But since when have we even seen a Gen 5 Viper at an auction go for this much? Since when has that happened? Again, this is very weird. And I don't want to pull the, oh, hey, maybe people are finally realizing what a good car the Viper was. And that all the, most of the magazines were, except for Jalopnik, actually. I, I went back and reread a lot of the old uh, Gen 5 Viper Jalopnik articles when it first came out. And they actually liked it a lot. A lot. So, except for Jalopnik. But, I, you know, I don't know. It's strange. And I think there's been a few other auctions. And 190000 may have been the most. I 260000 is weird. It's an anomaly. It's a weird phenomenon to use a bunch of synonyms. So what happened? What was the difference here? It was it was a white Viper ACR Extreme with gold wheels. It looks great, but it's not. It's nothing special. It's not a GTSR. This wasn't a special edition. Add to that the fact that this wasn't even a special edition, and it still commanded two hundred sixty thousand. What is going on? I don't know. It again. It's all weird. Anyway, enough of that. I will see you all after the break. Are you a huge fan of Cody's Car Conundrum? You can now purchase Cody's Car Conundrum merch, which is long sleeve and short sleeve shirts on www.tidyurl.com slash merch. Now back to Cody at Cody's Car Conundrum. Before I continue, thanks again to B at Super1 underscore 7 for sending me that. <laughs> I didn't actually intend on making it a, uh, I didn't intend on making it a part of the podcast, but that's a, it's a darn good topic. It's a darn good discussion. Are Viper values starting to go up, especially ACR ones? And hey, in fact, I'm not quite done yet. I'm sorry. I wonder if the values have started to go up because people saw how the ZR1 did and how stuff like the GT2RS did and saw how well the ACR still stacked up, even though it came out three to four years ago. Yeah, it's been a it's been a while since the ACR came out. Can you believe that? And it's still a very competitive car. Who knows? I don't know. It, it's interesting that the ACR commanded such a price when a normal SRT or perhaps even a GTS wouldn't probably wouldn't command such a price unless perhaps it was the GTS launch edition back in 2013. Unless it was that, then maybe. You know, we'll have to see how that goes. Nissan reappoints Haruto Saikawa as CEO in revamped board. Reappoints. When did he get kicked off? <laughs> when did he get kicked off as CEO? Latest C8 Corvette rumor has it tipped to start about seventy thousand. Let's keep keep this in mind. You're probably saying well, that's a lot for a Corvette. It is, especially considering the C7 starts at about forty-ish thousand. But that's but this car is starting at about Viper money, and as it's at its baseline at its base performance, it might have Viper, you know, Gen 5, not TA, not like SRT or GTS level performance. So at about 70,000, if it is going to start at that, that's right on the money, actually. That is right on the money. And if they're aiming for this to compete at more high-end luxury, you know, if they're aiming to pull a Gen 5, you know, drastically increase the quality of the interior, uh, but in a mid-engine package, obviously, then this is this is right right around Chevrolet is forgive the not quite plump but right on the money where uh, for where this should for where the price is going to start on this and they also say that range topping versions of the C8 may cost at around 140,000 which again makes sense I think it's going to be that would still make it more than the ZR1 or than the ZR1 but it's a mid-engine it's you know it's an mid-engine package might be more luxurious the range topping version might be faster that might actually be a fair price TRD drops first 2020 GR Super production tuning parts. 
2020 BMW 8 Series Grand Coupe spotted barely disguised while transferred on truck. Mazda introduces new CX3 GT Sport Nav Plus spec for the UK. 2020 Subaru Ascent comes with very few updates and priced from $31,995. Sprinter Usain Bolt unveils $10,000 Nano Twizy-like EV. Volvo Inc.'s huge battery deal secures supply for the next decade. Volvo wants electric vehicles to make up 50% of its global sales by 2025, and I think that that is wildly unrealistic. Unless they're leaving out some regions. You know, if if they're accounting for their biggest, their big, the, the regions where they make the most money, maybe. And that might be America, and if it is America, then definitely not. <laughs> if that is one of their biggest region, then, regions, then I say definitely not. Skoda teases electric city go ahead of May 23rd unveiling. Australia's right-hand drive Chevrolet Corvette ZL1 pumps out 640 horsepower. It costs 160,000 Australian currency. I really don't know. I am sorry. <laughs> but that's a lot. That's still a lot. 2020 BMW M5 Edition 35 years has a gold-trimmed interior, 617 horsepower, and a $129,000 price tag. Nissan Skyline gets ProPilot 2.0 semi-autonomous driving system. Is that their sedan in uh, their Infiniti... Well, their Nissan Badge Infiniti sedan over in Europe. I can't, I can't believe Nissan still has the Skyline nameplate. And I also don't know what that nameplate is on in terms of vehicles. If it's on a CUV, I'm surprised more car enthusiasts haven't chewed Nissan, haven't just torn Nissan a new one. I'd be very surprised. Nissan Ultimate Parks Titan is a purpose-built truck for the Grand Canyon. They totally missed... They missed an opportunity there. They could have called it the Nissan Parks and Recs Titan. <laughs> they they missed the biggest opportunity there. But I guess that would have made a better uh, April Fool's joke than it would have a serious a serious name. 2020 VW Golf Miles Hybrid System revealed. This is interesting. This is very interesting. Why has VW gone with a mild hybrid system and not a normal hybrid? Back when, back before Alpar got bought out by or got bought by Auto Guide. There was a lot of talk about mild hybrid systems. Specific, specifically, I remember from a few users about how, and and maybe this was blowing it out of proportion, maybe not. But and I haven't kept up with the conversation outside of Alpar. But there's a very interesting, let's just say, there's a very interesting, perhaps movement is the right way to say it. There's a very interesting movement going on with introducing mild hybrid systems. There's a lot of, there's actually a lot of innovation going on there is it's apparently it's sort of the best uh the best of both worlds so to speak new chevrolet trailblazer prototype spied as rumors suggest possible return to the usa i think that's the only way to satisfy blazer people like oh yeah tra well no because tra isn't trailblazer a different one i don't remember hmm. that might be the only way to redeem the the sort of blazer name in some chevrolet fans eyes Nissan's Destination Frontier is a rugged truck designed for overlanding. What is overlanding? Isn't that just off-roading? <laughs> Why not just say off-roading? What the mess is overlanding? Why do... Look, overland is an interesting name as a trim load. You know, because Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland or whatever uh, whatever other Jeep, you know, Jeep model overland. Okay? I don't really care. It's it's kind of a throw away name for, uh, 
as a trim level, as far as I'm concerned, especially for Jeeps, because it's, you know, it's, I guess it's vaguely, apparently off-road related. Oh, who cares? You know, if you, everyone, everyone who knows Jeep knows that if you really want to go off-road, especially for modern Jeeps, you get the Rubicon models. That's it. The Overland doesn't mean mess. In fact, the Overland is now the luxury models. The, or the, or the, no, the Summit. For the Grand Cherokee, anyway, it's the Summit. But anyway, but this isn't like that. This is like a TRD Pro Nissan Frontier. That's what this is like. Except it looks more like a concept? Okay, hold on. While the Destination Frontier is a one-off, Nissan says fans could build their own for around 40000 No thank you. <laughs> no thank you. You know what? You know what they're going to do? People who see that are just going to say, well, I could just buy a Jeep Gladiator, <laughs> add a roof rack on it, some slightly bigger tires for maybe ten grand. you know, not including the cost of... See, I don't understand. Is this forty grand the cost of build... of... of building the truck outside of what it costs to buy the truck or is that including the truck and the upgrades i'm gonna say it's probably just the upgrades and if it's again if it's 40k for the upgrades alone which perhaps it's not people are just gonna say mess it i'm just gonna go get a gladiator and do the same kind of upgrades for 10 grand and then spend 30 grand on some ls miata on craigslist to turn it into a drift mobile for uh for the summer months or for some summer months. Hennessy might also build a roadster version of the one of the 1600 horsepower Venom F5, assuming it comes out. <laughs> Acura is offering 20,000 discounts on $20,000 discounts on 2019 NSXs in the US. The generous discounts on the hybrid supercargo will be in effect until March 31st, 2020. I like that news. And here's why and it's kind of it's kind of petty, okay? It's kind of petty, but I like this news because I argued with Guy once. Not 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 an argument I'm proud of, mostly because it lasted way too long on a YouTube comment section of all places. But he was basically saying, and, and this was in light of the ACR coming up coming out way back in 2015, that the that the Viper was a failure because it didn't sell. And I kept telling him, cars that don't sell aren't necessarily failures. Because the NSX, because and he was just kind of spewing a lot of anti-american car rhetoric and so i knew how to get him with the one too like okay well what about the nsx or what about any tbr neither of those the nsx isn't selling and that's a that's a pretty okay supercar and tbrs are loved by a handful of people and they never sold or at the very least they didn't sell well enough to keep the company afloat so what do you say to that you know and then i think he brought up you know the fifteen thousand price discount. a lot of people bring that up and now acura is doing basically the same thing that dodge did except i think less permanently the 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 pettiness inside me is saying i told you so great cars don't always sell and the acura nsx is not an american example and it's still not selling what do you have to say to that sir not not holding a grudge it just proves my point even all these years later that i was still right <laughs> That, that's basically the crux of what I'm saying. Even all these years, I was still right. <laughs> Which makes me happy. <laughs> that low-key makes me pretty happy. Well, it, it satisfies me. To, to put it a bit more humbly, I'm satisfied uh, with my answers back then. But anyway. Say goodbye to hotels with Overland, Honda Passport, and Ridgeline Projects. Basically, it's those camp, th camp tents on the top of vehicles that you see on Jeeps and Defenders. And uh, those, those Japanese mini... The, those Japanese tiny vans... Like that, but on a on a passport and a ridgeline, apparently. I'm only seeing the passport, but whatever. 2020 Mercedes EQC review roundup. Posh and refined electric SUV brims with tech. Yeah, okay. The, the, this Skyline is basically a Nissan-badged Infiniti. Or perhaps it's the other way around. I don't know. Maybe it's neither. 
Maybe it's a joint venture. <laughs> Though to be fair, Nissan own you know Nissan owns uh, Infinity, so probably not like that. Or pro or it's probably not like that. In our final news, though, we have some interesting McLaren news. New McLaren GT unveiled with 612 horsepower and a $210,000 price tag. McLaren has just unveiled the all-new GT, the fourth new model introduced under its Track 25 business plan. Orders can be placed effective immediately with delivery set to commence towards the end of 2019. Pricing in the U.S. starts from $210,000, while U.K. buyers are expected to pay upwards of £163,000, including, ta including taxes. That's basically the same. Anyway, in return for their money, they receive a 4-liter twin-turbo V8, producing a hefty 612 horsepower and 465 pound-feet of torque. The new McLaren GT combines competition levels of performance with continent-crossing capability. Wrapped in a beautiful body and true to McLaren's ethos of designing super-light cars with a clear weight advantage over its rivals, designed for distance, it provides the comfort and space expected of a Grand Tour. With a level of agility never expect never experienced before in this segment in short this is a car that redefines the notion of a grand tour in a way that only a mclaren could said the company ceo mike fluid forgive me if i got your name wrong the new gt long and elegant exterior lines and muscular rear fenders so as to express that this is more of a long journey supercar than the usual track focused weaponry we've come to expect from the british brand the GT measures almost 4.7 meters in length, over 15 feet, which means that it's longer than any of the other McLaren models in the sports or super series. Its front and rear overhangs extend further than what we're used to seeing on other McLarens, while the 10, 10 degree approach angle at the front and 13 degree with the lift engage helps the car cope with the most aggressive traffic calming measures. Sorry, helps the car cope with the most aggressive traffic calming measures. How's how is lifting the front end gonna calm traffic? <laughs> that's that's almost like McLaren saying, "Oh yeah, by lifting our nose, we part the waters." <laughs> that's not. I don't understand that. Look, that makes a lot of sense for getting over curb. Oh, traffic calming. Oh, I get it. Curbs, curbs. I see. So what Audi and Lambo have been doing for years. I wouldn't have said it like that. I would not have said the most aggressive traffic calming measures because that's a very that's a very convoluted way of saying this car can get over speed bumps without scraping the nose. It's a holier-than-thou way of saying, yes, you can go more than two miles per hour over a speed bump with this thing. It literally sounds like McLaren are trying to part, part the Red Sea with, with their new model, with their GT. Anyway, it's underbody clearance of 4.3 inches... 5.1 inches with the lifting gauge makes the GT usable in all urban traffic situations. The automaker even claims that in lift mode, this supercar's ground clearance is equal to that of mainstream sedans. No! <laughs> in terms of its construction, the GT features a bespoke monocell 2T monocoque with a carbon fiber rear upper structure. That's a weird way of saying that. That allows for 14.8 cubic feet of luggage area below the tailgate. Fun fact! And this is a really fun fact. You guys will love this. That is about the same storage com storage capacity as a Gen 5 Dodge Viper. I kid you not. I looked at it. I, actually, I did a lot of interior, kind of interior dimensions articles a little while back. In fact, a, a very little while back. And I think the Viper's about 14.7. Yeah. 
I'm telling you, I kid you not. And you know what? That makes it more than a Chevrolet Camaro at 9.1. I'm telling you, it's such a weird world. It's a, truth is stranger than fiction. Truth is stranger than fiction, I swear. That's cool, though. Well, it's cool to me that the Viper still uh, holds up even after all these years. <laughs> even, even in such a mundane area as this, which has a soft close function as standard and can even be operated elect electrically. Should it be electrically or electronically? I'm not telling you, it says electrically. E-L-E-C-T-R-I-C-A-L-L-Y. Whatever. According to McLaren, you can fit a golf bag of two pairs of 185 centimeter skis and boots as well as luggage. You can also get a further 5.3 cubic feet of storage at the front, meaning that the car can accommodate a total of 20.1 cubic feet of storage. Apparently, this thing will also have P Pirelli P0 tires. It'll weigh 3,373 pounds. It has a 7-speed SSG transmission. It has launch control, 0-60 to 60 in 3.1 seconds. About Viper numbers. Uh, it has a top speed of 203, which is below the Viper. Not by much, though. Yep, so there you go. Oh, wait, hold on. Has a seven-inch infotainment system, here navigation, here navigation mapping, real-time traffic no information, DAB digital radio. Why is there a radio, a digital radio called DAB? Why? Who on earth? Who in McLaren said, "Oh yeah, you know what? We're gonna call this DAB." <laughs> anyway, or Sirius satellite radio in North America, and that's standard. Uh, dual zone climate control has a 12.3-inch TFT screen, which basically means. Uh, I think a fully digital da uh, fully digital dash, and it has graphics within the TFT screen that resemble those seen on aircraft. Okay, I've actually been really excited to see what McLaren do with this, and I like it. I really like the looks of it. I don't think I'm a big fan of the way the headlights look. They're a little bit too slim for my liking. They're uh, kind of imagine in the way that the front end looks, or no, in in the way that the headlights look. Imagine a more horizontal and much narrower. 570s headlight that's kind of what this looks like in terms of uh in terms of the headlights and kind of in the rest of the proportions as well it looks a little bit like a in fact like a grand touring 570s like like think of a, a 570s that's bigger and that's that's what you have here although uh, i whether or not this is based on the 570s i'm not fully sure that's a question of whether or not the 570s is based on the monocoque two uh monocoque 2T chassis. Yeah, I like it. I really like it though. I don't think it's as good looking as the 720S though. I really don't. Anyway, that is going to be it for today. I hope you all enjoyed. I will see you soon. Oh, by the way, if you're listening on YouTube, don't forget to like, comment, share, and subscribe. And if you do subscribe, hit the notification bell. That way you'll be notified of all my uploads. See you soon. You've just listened to me probably ramble about some cars if I'm being honest. If you've enjoyed me passionately talking about lumps of metal on wheels, then why don't you follow me on Twitter at Cody Carr, C-O-N-U-N-D-R-M, or check out my website, www.codyscarconundrum.com, for articles and other car-related content. If you have any questions or would like to become a sponsor, send an email to drtaffy777 at gmail.com and put sponsor in the subject line. Make sure to follow me here or any other platform so you don't miss out on more full throttle content. Thanks for listening. I'll see you all in the next episode.